With more and more people gaining access to smartphones and the internet, online platforms have become essential tools in engaging people on various issues, whether it is putting out general messages, conducting workshops, or organizing online campaigns, social media platforms have not only become ways to augment on-ground campaigns, but also crucial in their own right to lead the narrative. Hello, I'm Chavi Sachdev, and in this third episode of the Advocacy Toolkit podcast from Worldwide WCA, we will be hearing from women who have kept their respective causes alive through online advocacy, especially during the complete lockdowns in the year 2020. As work from home and social distancing became enforced in most countries, activists had to move events, workshops, and even conferences online. Most people missed the face-to-face -face interaction, but it's been quite positive in many ways. Maureen Magak, a sexual rights and reproductive health advocate from Kenya, said that lockdown allowed them to give even more young women and girls a voice. And it started with a blog. And the team that was there uh, formed a space, an online space called She Speaks. That is an online blog that the women get to share their voices. Maureen is talking about Worldwide WCA She Speaks, an engagement platform that features contributions from young women and girls who are driving social change and transforming power structures for gender equality. Young activists share stories, opinions, ideas, videos, consultations, experiences, and insights to inspire one another and raise their voices on the issues that affect them. This is then connected to social media platforms to push the agenda amongst various regions as well as intergenerational users of the platforms. And you find women from all walks of life and the things they share make you feel like you are in this global space where you think globally and act locally. Now, from the World Wide WCA, they came to Kenya and said, you know what, there's this online space that has been created that we can share our voices. And uh, I've been part of the uh, She Speaks as a contributor as well. Now, that is when we realized that, oh, we can do it online as well. So since then, we've never looked back. Maureen says that they have used online platforms also to conduct meetings and trainings. They've also incorporated larger activism mechanisms, especially in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. This has become a larger space for engagement and advocacy. Over in Norway, I heard from Sophie Nordvik, who works for climate justice and gathers young people for change at Y Global. She says when people could no longer demonstrate on the streets due to restrictions and government policies on protests, moving campaigns online was one viable option. They even had virtual strikes. So mostly online, uh, we have been using, uh, you know, uh, both um, Zoom meetings to discuss climate issues with the rest of European uh, youth organizations or get in touch with international politicians and get in touch with politicians from other countries so we can know what's going on. And also we've done some climate strikes online when, when the whole world locked down and no one could go into the streets anymore. But it's been both, you know, pros and cons with doing things online because we don't get this visual fellowship 
in the same way as going into the streets. But I think we still need this space where we can see that there is other people that really cares about the same as we are fighting for ourselves to get some input. The pros could outweigh the cons. Sadaf Valisha, an evaluator and a grants coordinator also working with Sophie at Y Global Norway, points out that online events are greener. The carbon footprint of having people meet virtually is a virtue. But in the absence of physical connections, the success of a training session or a webinar depends even more than before on how interactive it is. And making something engaging is a skill that can be learned. I have also noticed this in webinars. That sometimes we don't switch on uh, the video. Uh, yeah, we are there, so we, but we have, of course we have to be muted when another speaker is talking. But then um, usually our, our phones are on mute and then our video is also switched off and usually we are doing something on the side. If you don't make the sessions interactive, I really doubt about the, the information transfer. I would actually challenge that then how much is the audience actually absorbing from those trainings? So to, to keep them engaged and to, to keep the spirit on, like it's important that we, we engage them through discussions. It should not be like one person talking for 45 minutes. Then um, we are planning to have a session that how to be, use this online tool as a more interactive tool rather than, you know, just speakers coming, showing like 10 slides with loads of information and then the person on the other side can go to sleep and you cannot even see that person. Sadaf recommends leading lots of discussions and using breakout rooms for successful online events. Digital platforms can be good tools for engagement, advocacy, and discussions, but one size doesn't fit all. While the pandemic caused problems on a global scale, they affected people in different ways, specific to their local contexts. In Kenya, Maureen realized that WhatsApp, the text messaging app, was an effective way of communicating with isolated young women, both one-on-one -on -one and in a group. So uh, in, the, in the online space, Something that, uh, some new thing that we are doing that we were not doing before, we realized that uh, there are many adolescent girls at home and young women, and they are not doing anything, and they are now tired and bored, and they have turned to, you know, a lot of internet addiction. So uh, we opened up a space in WhatsApp to just uh, mentor them on uh, life skills, to mentor them on, uh, you know, mental resiliency through uh, counseling. And that has worked really well for us because uh, they are responding. And then now uh, we have uh, days, like we could say it's 15 days challenge, or we could say it is um, 30 days challenge. Yeah. And then we will have coaches. So they'll talk about anything they feel and we'll guide them and then we'll get, like prompt them to just let out. You see, for self-esteem, if you have it, we work a way to, you know, let you be stronger, let you feel yourself worth again. Moving online has been good, but we know that it is not always inclusive of everyone. Access is still a big issue in many developing countries. 
Not everyone who might benefit from advocacy has a smartphone or enough internet bandwidth. Also, you may not be able to reach out to marginalized people or people with disabilities. At such times, the advocates have to get creative, fall back on offline methods, and also take help from other organizations to keep the movement going, all the while keeping COVID norms in place. Maureen says they used graffiti, music, poetry, and even involved religious leaders to reach out to people in Kenya. One of their focus areas is the economic fallout of lockdowns in 2020. Currently, we've had people committing suicide, throwing themselves over the bridge because their salary, they were not paid because of COVID-19. We've had young people committing suicide, like it is on the rise. Along with putting messaging in the real world, they have taken it to people's phones, and by doing so, given them voice and community to tackle the isolation so many experienced with social distancing regulations in 2020. Online advocacy has become a mix of digital systems and virtual mechanisms. The key lies in how innovatively they are used. And also, um, interestingly, YWCA is the first organization in Kenya that has developed mental health app. So it is in the Google Play Store. A similar application has also been developed by YWCA of Ethiopia, a virtual safe space for young people who face mental health challenges, especially linked to the issues they face in everyday life. The application is providing them with resources and support in the form of an expert. Mental health advocacy that we do online, our tagline is find your voice, share your story. So that already is prompting someone that there's a need for them to, you know, find a voice. There's a need for them to, you know, just ask themselves questions and just be alert and that it is okay to share your story that you may have. In the best case scenarios, online campaigns are not limited by geography and accessibility. They can provide community and trainings everywhere, anytime. Cutting across class and regional boundaries. Besides creating awareness, Online platforms have also served to highlight certain problems and even bring them to the notice of the right people in a way that wasn't possible offline. In Kenya, Maureen says they started tagging political leaders on Twitter and Facebook because, after all, they are the ones who can bring about a change on ground through policies. So one of the times we were doing something about uh, sexual and productive health and rights, yeah, on achieving comprehensive sexuality education. So we had to tag one of the politicians. And when we were doing mental health advocacy, we tagged you know, one of the politicians that sits at the Committee of Health. So that was really good when, you, when I saw her retweeting. For me, it was like she got the message. When you see in one day more than 30 women posting something and campaigning and tagging right by her. And then people get like uh, interested, what is this? So in advocacy, that is something which is very interesting when people get to ask, what is this? The challenge every time is not to stop at that step. Good advocacy is a mix of policy and online engagement and persistence. To target the policymakers again and again, sharing the same message and action point. 
and to raise awareness among the general population about the issues that affect them. Social media is also a good way to circulate difficult information in an easy-to-digest form. 98% of Norway's population has internet access as of 2019. To connect with the youth, for instance, Sophie and her team in Y Global Norway use social media apps to share details about state budgets and policies, but they simplify this daunting information through infographics and short videos. They encourage young people in Norway to campaign online and compel political leaders to pay attention and bring about change. And they use a strategy similar to Maureen's, as Sophie explains. So to show all of these dilemmas and to point out at Twitter, it's very, very easy to uh, tag my politicians and they will actually see it. Sometimes they would reply, sometimes they would think that this is a silly girl, and sometimes I would bring all my friends to do the same and then they would re definitely reply because it's a lot of people asking the same question. And then maybe also in the process to bring a better idea on how we are uh, defining what should be uh, costly or not. So at the same time as I myself is choosing to not buy meat and I'm tweeting to my politicians that this is a problem we as Y Global could put uh, a suggestion to the parliament to add a tax on meat. And then we have done all of the steps, right? Because I've used my consumption power, my power to influence social media, and we have used our power within the system of creating policies. While tech makes the world smaller and day-to-day -day life easier, no technology is foolproof. Trolling someone online has become as easy as tagging someone. Every day we hear about safety and privacy of users being compromised when using online platforms. Sometimes even sharing helpline numbers or petitions can result in threats and hateful comments from opposing viewpoints. Helena Kaczynski, the General Secretary of YWCA Poland, believes that simply not engaging with online abusers is the best way out even though it can be difficult and mentally taxing. Everyone has his point of view and we totally respect it, but not necessary to react. Sometimes if you ignore the person will be more better. In sexual way, some people will offend you with picture to just harassing you. It is easy way, first of all, if it is like normal harassment, just report the account, block it and ignore it because such kind of people are sick and we make the society safe if we just report them and leave them from our like platform because it is saving for our energy first of all and we do that to protect ourselves. Blocking or muting abuse on a platform is the first step at our end. Of course, policy advocacy to make these systems safer for women, young people and marginalized groups is another added layer of discussion on digital online activism. World YWCA's virtual safe space tool helps guide the use of simple digital platforms in an effective manner to meet, discuss and debate online in a feminist, safe and protected manner, keeping in mind the principles of human rights as well as inclusive engagement. The tool has been used by many young women to advocate on difficult issues like the impact of digital abuse and trolling during the pandemic.
Maureen in Kenya says that some of her colleagues have been subjected to such terrible harassment online, they preferred to close down their accounts temporarily. She points out that when addressing a public issue, especially as an activist, it's important to remember that sometimes sharing personal information or photos can be weaponized both for the organization and members of the community. Even something as innocuous as documenting and sharing the photo of someone who has been given a feminine hygiene product can cause them to be shamed. You know, what is happening in many organizations is that they give the girl a pad, tell her to raise it and take a photo. But this girl is uh, 14, uh, 12, 14, 15, 19. Internet does not forget. So in the next five, 10 years, they'll be having someone saying, ooh, this was you, so you are this vulnerable. And that one means that we've done, people do more harm than good, yeah? But they never realize. So we have also embraced that we need to provide dignity as to provide them parts. Privacy and dignity are important considerations for us all. And Maureen says they learned the hard way to think through potential photo ops. But, she says, every challenge brings an opportunity with it, a lesson that can be useful for others who want to pursue similar goals. When engaging with people in distress, it is important to understand their limitations and make them feel safe and cared for, online or offline. Maureen says when they started online advocacy, they had to start from the basics. First of all, uh, when you want to use any of that platform, you find the, the target group that you want to address, and then also you find, you know, research about the availability of uh, smartphones or the gadgets they use is important. And also, your advocacy should be much objective, not subjective. So if you're doing it on uh, Facebook, uh, on WhatsApp, if it is this kind of trainings we do, then do not measure on posting these videos because they will not download it and they will become frustrated. Teaming up, joining hands with other organizations and having a collective goal is crucial. The silver lining of online activism has been the participation of a large number of young people from around the world who would normally not be able to afford the time or expense of traveling somewhere for an offline event. And the momentum and numbers do matter. Sophie says that online platforms have really allowed young people to align with each other and start driving their own missions forward. Yeah, we've had or we have tried to make uh, climate uh, activism a mainstream thing for so many years. But it hasn't worked until we gained forces and joined the school strike movement. Before that, we were this small group doing climate advocacy on our own. But to also believe that our ideas can come through if it's volunteers driving the process and staff really, you know, letting go of other responsibilities to really support the young people that are in lead and let them decide what should be the program and let them decide how it's going to go about. To keep the movement going, Maureen also suggests dedicating resources to follow up with people who do interact in the way of comments, retweets and live sessions. A personalized message or even an acknowledgement can go a long way. 
That way, the person feels your concern, they feel that your advocacy is genuine, and also they feel that you are present and you're serious about your doing. Do referrals if you can, not deal, handle the situation, because you cannot work alone. And advocate for issues that people would like to join you in, like uh, policy reforms, like policy implementations, so that at least you get collective voices. Invite people to work with you, because you cannot achieve it alone. Sophie also advises patience and perseverance. Any sort of activism, especially online, takes time to bear results. It takes a lot of time to change policies and it can be a struggle. And those old men sitting there, there in the suits can be so annoying. But to never give up pushing policies, it's never something uh, that can't be fixed that problems in government or in the local community or anything, it can always be done better, even though it takes time and even though it seems hopeless. So mustering your resources and keeping on while staying safe, protecting your privacy and that of the young women and girls you are serving, this will help your activism grow and inhabit a space where time zones and closed doors don't matter. The only barrier here is access to an internet-enabled device. Online activism is a space which starts with advocating for global internet access, access to technology by everyone in all their diversities, and spans over to discussing GBV, reproductive rights, climate change, and all issues that matter to young people. It is a part of activism that is growing fast and wide. Attending a march can't be replaced by tagging a leader online, but the two together, along with community pressure, can be critical for policy action. As you finish this episode of the Advocacy Toolkit podcast, do pause for a few minutes and think about the following. As a young leader, what are the top five ways you plan to make the most efficient use of whatever digital and online advocacy platforms are available to you. If you are an intergenerational leader, how can you ensure that the collective voices of activism reach far and wide through the young people using these digital systems in all their diversity? In conflict or in crisis, young women in all their diversities form the center of change that World YWCA advocates for. By mobilizing communities for action, these young women are championing the causes that matter to them. You can find out more about our work on our website. Our handle is WorldYWCA on all social media. This podcast series has been funded by contributions from Norwegian Church Aid and Y Global with support of young leaders on ground. A Sonologue production.